welcome to Unraveling Midlife. I'm your host, Sarah Spence. Thanks for joining me as I explore my own astrological midlife by speaking with all sorts of inspiring people about their life and work. Astrological midlife relates to Western astrology transits that run from the mid-30s to the mid-40s for everyone. Each of the main midlife transits have an overall theme, though details vary by generation and, of course, by individual. If you're new to the show, welcome. You can follow me on social media as Sarah Marlowe Spence, and you're welcome to subscribe to the show, as well as provide a review on whichever app you're using to listen. Alternatively, you can forward a link with someone you might feel also would enjoy it. As a self-funded show without a marketing budget, your assistance in sharing is much appreciated. Today's show is a panel discussion with Levi Banner and Vasumi, recorded live at New Zealand Spirit South Island, complete with the soundscape of the river, cicadas, and a few breezy bits of wind. The three of us got talking after an astrology talk that Levi had held a week earlier at Soulscape uh, Soulrise Festival in Raglan in the North Island of New Zealand. You'll hear more about each of Levi and Vasumi's specialities in the discussion following. Um, suffice to say that celestial bodies definitely play a huge part in life for both of them, even amongst the variety of hats they wear. So here we are, recording live at the end of NZ Spirit South Island Festival, with the stream in the background and the cicadas chirping, you may or may not hear. Um, and I'm here with Levi Banner and Vasumi, and I found them at Solrise Festival last weekend. Uh, we were at an astrology talk that Levi was uh, giving, and Vasumi was adding in her flavour, because she's also a facilitator of things celestial. And, uh, and, and here we are. Maybe Vasumi, tell us a bit about what you do. Okay, so I'm... Um... I, what do I do? Um, I work with the Mayan Dream Spell calendar primarily as a foundational um, uh, metaphysical system. I find that to be the motherboard of all other metaphysical systems that I've explored over the last, since in my 20s, I'm now 61. Um, so I, yeah, work with that. I work with astrology for the last 35 years as well. Western astrology primarily and now I'm exploring sidereal astrology. I also explore human design and gene keys and basically all the magical metaphysical systems that reveal how consciousness flows through us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Levi. Hi everyone. Um, I'm just on a tour of New Zealand here. I um, do many things outside of the astrology world, like um, DJ music and facil uh, facilitate breath work. I was a yoga teacher for a long time. Um, but in relation to what we're talking today, uh, I am a teacher and reader for the Turning of the Ages Mystery School, which is quite an alternative version of astrology that utilizes the night sky. Um, sacred sites visits and has a very unique approach to a birth chart. And I was quite impressed when you asked about um, the pattern at which a lot of people into astrology have that and you contribute to, to that, right? 
to what? The passion. Uh, uh, the pattern, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, and a lovely, um, oh, hello. Yeah, we're at a festival, yeah. so. Yeah, the pattern's an amazing app where you can get your, um, kind of your chart read without even really knowing it's astrology and see which cycles of life you're in. And yeah, I've done some writing for them um, uh, over the past year or two. Yeah. Cool. And so, Unraveling Midlife is kind of loosely based on astrological midlife. So I know I'm in the middle of those astrology transits. I believe, Levo, you're kind of close behind somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yet to know about the cycles I know about. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and Basumi, you said to me, I'm not sure if I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wee while ago. I do remember looking and being interested at the time. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure... Once I get through them, I might not be quite so interested, but I can tell people what yeah, <laughs> about them. Right. Yeah. At least your own experience, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Everyone's, everyone's is different. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on where the planets are in your relationship with those planets to other planets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whole. What time you were born. And yeah. <laughs> All that. All of that. What are your thoughts on astrological midlife uh well so full disclosure i'm 41 and so i feel midlife <laughs> um but i'm yet to go through the cycles in which we were discussing when we first met um that are the well what we call it is the midlife crisis cycle because we have this uh uranus opposition uh and the uh, Neptune square that happen sometimes overlapping or sometimes one after the other and it kind of um, can kind of pummel uh, a person that's really quite rigid in their you know a person that's just more used to um, things being uh, clear from their day-to-day -day and planning and what, what their path is and their direction and these kind of more I don't know Saturnian or Jupiterian things and these kind of uh, what we call upper world initiators, Neptune and Uranus, give more of a floaty, surprising, uh, anti-planning um, kind of teaching. And so many people have, um, from what I understand, uh, a, um, and from working with so many clients, actually, um, is that they, they can freak out. They have a hard time things aren't working their, uh, you know, linear version of life anymore. And so they often question their lifestyle and their career and their marriage and these kinds of things. And it can be quite um, kind of uh, unveiling and uh, kind of kind of pull the rug out or the, the path out from under, under them for questioning. The one thing I took heart in is when uh, last week when we met, you, I said, oh, that Uranus opposition, which I kind of touched on a little bit last year, but it's, it's full on for me this year. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, coping with that. I've heard that that Pluto square that comes before the Neptune square, mm -hmm. that if you have a difficult time with that, it makes everything else easier. And you said, oh, I guess it depends how comfortable you are with it. Uranus, exactly. if you've got it in your own chart. And I thought, yay, I mean, I'm just going to sail through. 
I've got like great Uranus and great Aquarius in my chart, so woo! Mm. <laughs> Let's see. Check in this time next year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I've certainly got a, a pretty good Uranus, and I've lived pretty alternatively most of my mm. life. I think it probably, you know, when you've um, lived your life much more um, dedicated to. Um, pleasing your parents or mm -hmm. the system mm -hmm. um, probably those are the people that it's going to affect the strongest very mm -hmm. Saturnine you know um, people I guess but I have a strong Saturn as well so I don't know <laughs> my life is always changing um, and so but yeah I would I would say would you say Levi that would you guys think that maybe if people are walking a path that's a little more mainstream mm. and rigid that it might come more as a shock mm. exactly yeah. yeah shocking yeah it's shocking yeah, yeah. Uranus shocking Things Uranus was seen. discovered yeah. when electricity was discovered mm. so it's electric in nature and it's sudden and it's unexpected so yeah, if you have a Uranus opposition, it's going to oppose your birth natal Uranus and you're going to, um, you know, embrace the opposite of what you've embraced before, I guess. What do you reckon? Unless you have an alternative lifestyle like you, right? Yes. <laughs> it enhances it maybe, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's a, Uranus can be a uh, expansion big it's it's like jupiter times a hundred you yeah. know when a person is good with it when a person appreciates it lives that kind of uh freedom of the unknown or the unexpected and so it can be a huge expansion process yeah and uranus is the higher i've always thought of uranus as the higher mind and mercury as the mm. lower mind mm. Mm. And so Aquarius and Gemini, mm -hmm. and so it's like the higher mind's capacity to, you know, all of a sudden believe in great spirit or I don't know whatever is the opposite of whatever it is. Beautiful, yeah. 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 Uranus. Where's U your Uranus? Uh. Well. Um, Just to do a Uranian kind of thing. I'll be I'll be entering my Ur Uranus opposition uh in 2024 yeah yeah so i'm yet to experience that but my neptune square is uh is close very close yeah um there's a beautiful relationship with uh uranus and jupiter uh there's basically uh what is it seven or so uh, uranus uh cycle is about 83 or 84 years on average um, and so that's uh, some astrologers consider that a lifetime um, and it's almost exactly uh, I think what is it seven, is that seven, seven Jupiter cycles which are about 11 and a half 12 years right does that math add up yeah seven <laughs> and that they the, it's almost precisely exact it's really close so there's this incredible relationship between Jupiter's expansion and Uranus's even bigger expansion you know so I resonate with the higher mind and 
um, its expansive nature. Mm. It's just more abrupt. It's bigger, you know, a big abrupt change now, right? Mm. And that's not so comfortable for some of us. Mm. Yeah, Uranus wild. <laughs> yeah, and you you couple that with uh, Neptune, which is like another heart opener even more so softener of of plans and um that linear function that we were talking about the saturnian stuff it's just so uh, fuzzy and dreamy yeah. and the mystic yes yeah. yeah the mystic the neptunian the intuition the mm -hmm. unseen mm -hmm. piscean mm -hmm. ocean mm -hmm. neptune king neptune in the ocean yeah. So the spiritual types are maybe more comfortable with this midlife crisis, quote unquote, than somebody <laughs> in an office or corporate world. Like, yes. Hey, what about spirituality? What about your dreams? What about your heart? You know. Not yeah. so much as buying a new car to, right. you know, satiate right. the, <laughs> something new. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. It's really been interesting talking to people over the course of the podcast so far, because pretty much everyone seems to have had something, some life-defining change in their mm. early 40s, mm. and so I find that fascinating, mm. um, and also it's quite fascinating finding out people's stories that and it's kind of fascinating being right here going, well, how's mine going to change? Mm -hmm. And so here I am making a podcast about it just to try and figure it out. Ah, hmm. Mm, well. Mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like that technique of, uh, of going, going with change and almost making it yourself. But also, it's known to change what you're not thinking it's going to change. Yeah. It's like expect the unexpected, but that's expecting something. Totally. <laughs> so you can't do that either. <laughs> and the things that you're really unaware of that are going to yeah. change and you've got no awareness that even that was something that would change or could change. Or, exactly. Yeah. It's the whole point. It's, it's a surprise. <laughs> rip you in the middle of your life. Yeah. I remember one of my teachers telling me, well... You've got Uranus in Scorpio, which is in its strength, so Uranus will be in Taurus for your opposition, which means there's a lot of patience involved. And I'm like, oh no! <laughs> yeah. I yeah. don't know. Think yeah, patience. Patience, patience, allowing, opening up to what does change. Like ro rolling with the punches, they say. I don't know if that's a term here. Yeah. Like just going with the flow, basically. When something changes, it's, you know, the more you stay attached to what's been changed right it's like mm. that's that's where the suffering is that's where the hard part is but it's like oh that changed there's always now change. what it's, it's the only constant yeah i mean it's mm. uranus and taurus isn't it so it's incredible dedication to change you know like a fixed mind you scorpio is fixed as well isn't it but it's the the fixed change i'm changing and i'm changing and i'm going to make a podcast about my changing <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> Solidifying change, right? Yes. Oh, right. Giving it form. Well, that's what, what Unraveling Midlife, that's the name of it, comes from the, mm. um, the Brene Brown article mm. Uh, mm. 
the midlife unraveling. Oh, instead wonderful. Instead of mm. calling it the midlife crisis. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Much better, much better. Yes. Yeah. I've used it yeah. so much in my astrology yeah. class that yeah. my teacher now refers to it as the midlife unraveling. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yay, Brene Brown. <laughs> Big fan. Yeah. yeah. And that amazing dedication to it that helps to change others. Yeah. You know, your yeah. dedication to midlife unraveling has then helped to change yeah. others and set a course for mm. something really different that, that's coming through your podcast. And it was actually my human design reading because I've got a line five, uh-huh. uh, oh. which is you impact people that you don't necessarily know. I'm like, hmm, okay, podcast seems like a good way. Oh, so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And a line one, so I'm researching. All right. All right. <laughs> And then more about Uranus and Taurus, it's really nice to, to dive into that, you know, Taurus being the Nusian and beauty and earth and, you know, transforming the way you do those things, perhaps. I guess Uranus and, and Taurus really relates to the festival because we are on the earth in this beautiful, beautiful park. Oh. Um, yeah. and charter a stay on the south side of Littleton Harbour near Christchurch and we're pretty unconventional <laughs> <laughs> yep yep <laughs> <laughs> for New Zealand yes. yes for New Zealand you're right yes. because yeah. in a lot of other places this would just be kind of part of course yes. yeah New Zealand being a Cancerian country and really the mother mm. and the nurturing mm. energy that's quite deep and in and whereas mm. I imagine the same thing in Australia which is more a Sagittarian country which mm. is expansive and freedom mm. and Jupiterian. Mm. Um, so for New Zealand being a Cancerian country, which charts do you, kind of, which dates do you use? For? I don't know actually, I've just heard that it's kind of, I just, you know, relate, mm. I can't, I don't know which chart it, it is or how that's even said, I just relate to it. I heard it somewhere and went, mm. yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen a lot of cancer in the charts. I've looked at a few charts for New Zealand because there's different dates, really. Yeah, it's pretty hard to, to pin down a date, isn't it, isn't for a it? country? I mean, I we mean, don't know what time the Declaration of Independence was signed for the states, for example. We, we do, but there, it was rectified by, yeah. Oh, there's was? There's a couple charts you can look at, yeah. There's a, a, a rectified chart by Dean Ujar, who's a... Like, one of yeah. the foremost astrology teachers back in the seventies or sixties, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Amazing damage, yeah. Yeah. So there's you know, there's charts we can draw upon, but it's it's always hard to really know when even a person is born. Or when it was written or when it, you know, it's a really hard if thing to, to, to pin down. In yeah. yeah. Maybe the clock was wrong, maybe they took a couple minutes to write it, you know, it's it's, it's and a also thing. that, you know, when you're doing a chart yeah. of the country, is it like when when, you know, this land rose up out of the sea, you mm. can maybe make sure. a chart for that or sure. make a chart for when people arrived from Guapanui right. from Easter Island or was it when you know, the colonization began sure. or what are you actually looking oh, at in relationship to Australia? To the peninsula <laughs> right right <laughs> if Broke that off. was even what yeah I, th- I think it was bef- yeah. i heard it was before yeah. even yeah so you because just actually new zealand's um more closer in fauna and flora to south america mm. than australia ah yeah. tasmania is more like new zealand but it really is yeah just with but, eucalyptus trees but the but the rest of new zealand isn't like australia it's more like south america mm. they have the same trees and mm. things so you know like there's a so much we don't know and we just all 
we don't know, which is so wonderful is not to know. Which is <laughs> very Uranian. We don't need, or Neptunian. We don't need to know. We just see what flows through in the moment, which is pretty much what we're doing, right? Absolutely. That's a way to navigate the cycles you're in at midlife, right? Yeah. yeah. Not needing to know. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I, I'm getting more relaxed with that now. Yeah. Especially when you get your Saturn return, you know, and then it's like um, what you knew and then it all changes and then you adapt new things and then you know for a while <laughs> until you don't know anymore and then actually you get really freaked out by them and then all of a sudden you start celebrating that. I don't know! I don't know! Yeah, isn't it great? Hallelujah! <laughs> I wouldn't have a clue. Great mystery. And then, and then, of course, then, then the codes, they just help us to navigate and have confirmation of what we're feeling inside. I think it's a lot about confirmation of, of giving value to our own experience. I think that's a lot how I see the codes helping when I work with myself and other people. Just confirming, having some knowledge. What do you mean when you say codes? Well, astrological codes, because I work mm -hmm. with a lot of different codes. Mm -hmm. So codes, astrological codes, or Mayan codes, or human design codes. I just call them codes lately. That's the latest way that I'm kind of putting them all in one hat and saying codes. Because they are codes, really, mm -hmm. on one level, from my perspective. Mm. Yeah. I can kind of feel like reality's not... And sitting here, I feel like I'm not really in the real world. I feel like I'm kind of in some kind of dream world right now. I mean, maybe it's the festival. Maybe it's the nature of what we're talking about. I know that um, I facilitated a dream workshop the other day. And there was a guy who started telling us about his dream world and his lucid dreaming and his journeying that he said, I live multiple lifetimes in one sleep more than you would ever experience in this world and we were all blown away by that and i said we look forward to your workshop on this topic <laughs> um but it really puts things in perspective with talking about dream worlds and then especially after um, a festival like this it's very odd to turn the computer on <laughs> the podcast but yeah that line between dream and I guess, quote-unquote, reality, the real world. Yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. You facilitate a workshop called the, that's about dream spells. What, what is a dream spell? The dream spell is a name given to um, a calendar that was comes out of Palenque in Mexico. Um, it's, it's a foundation of the Zulkan of the Mayan calendar. Um, it was stored in stone from 600, the 600s to 1952, for 1260 years, and then it was kind of like, you know, a hidden wisdom that had its own timing to come out, a bit like, um, and Jose Aguayas is the guy that, you know, in Tibetan Buddhism there's this thing called the uh, Terma, which is a hidden knowledge, and the Turton, 
which is the the being, the person that is the unraveler of that wisdom that has been hidden. Just like Ra Uruhu is the the Turton of the Terma of the human design that he received over ten days, and I don't know if you've had the opportunity to listen to his um, rendition of what happened to him, but it's pretty incredibly wild. It's available on YouTube. Um, those guys were both born around the same time, and they also died around the same time within a week of each other. Oh. And I believe that both those beings brought forward the systems that will help us to deprogram the colonized mind so that we can actually live the new culture that we're here to, to live. Um, so the Mayan dream spell is based on the Mayan calendar. Um, when I was in Palenque, Mexico, I saw myself there in the 600s, had a very strong experience of seeing myself in the 600s. Um, working with that system, then teaching it, and this was after I had a big awakening in India, um, and then that I had in this life, the big awakening, that then I went to Palenque and saw myself there in the 600s with this contract to come back now and share these teachings. So, um, so the Mayan dream spell is based on the Zulkin, it's a 260-day cycle and it's measuring the pulses of light that emit from the sun. So it's not like astrology in that, but astrology is working with planets and space. It's working with um, the unseen world, the, the, the pulses of light that emit from the sun and it has a particular frequency and waves of energy and it's called the dream spell because it's spelling the dream, the new dream. And it works with wave spells, waves of energy and spells that are cast on the first day of a 13-day cycle or a 13-moon cycle or a 13-year cycle or a 13,000-year cycle. It's fractal in nature. It's radial time rather than linear time. Wow. Yeah. And it sounds very, a little bit complex, but actually when you actually work with it, it's super simple. It's a very simple system. Yeah. But working with that and astrology is, is profound. Yeah. I find the more systems I work with, the more they all come from source and they're just different portals and different ways of perceiving consciousness and different ways that consciousness itself can communicate through the codes to us in the moment, whatever's needed to be spoken, you know, whatever messages are there to. What would you say? Um, Levi, would you say, do you feel like the codes, you use them, the astrology, when you're doing readings, that if you read a chart in one moment and then you read the same chart in another moment, that different messages come through? Or? Certainly. Yeah. Uh, you can, you know, could speak about my own chart yeah. and how parts of it reveal itself to me as I grow and change and evolve yeah like I, I have a I have a Neptune example for that is that I have Neptune opposite my moon yeah <laughs> weirdos yeah so, um, yeah it just makes me more the soft it's like a softer version of my moon more maybe more spiritual type or something uh, but it, it's out of sign it's not so I have cancer moon it's not in Capricorn it's um, 
Sagittarius, the very end of Sagittarius. So for my, you know, interpretations when I was studying astrology in my much earlier years, I didn't really notice it as much, you know. Was, and um, I was speaking to just another astrologer one evening, and they, oh, wow, you, you have Neptune opposite your moon. I was like, I do? <laughs> you know, like that. I, I don't know how I missed that. Um, uh, that was a pretty extreme example. But um, yeah, it starts to make more sense. Um, it starts to take form more, you know, you know, because I I feel the the archetypes are, you know, are they are us. We're revealing it as time goes on, and um, and so it's it's like we renew them. There's a, there's an essence there that's always there, but the content, you know, it changes over time, through culture and through place and through time. And so through you, uh, the archetypes look how they do through you. Like you, you get to choose how they exactly are. You know, you're inspired, you're uh, maybe even influenced, maybe. Uh, it's revealed through you. Yeah. yeah. And it happens over time, certainly. Yeah. 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 It's not really I just realized I've got Neptune square in my name. Ah, all right. So we're all Neptunian in a way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, nice surprises there. Right? Yeah, yeah. Good to speak on this topic. Yeah. Mm. So does that mean my midlife uh, unraveling is going to be easier? <laughs> well, we create our own reality there to a certain go. extent, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of like the awareness know. of it, isn't it? When you have the awareness of it, it's like in the in the Mayan codes. Um, when someone is 26, they're embodying their exact opposite energy. Mm. And so I find when I get people before they're 26 mm. to understand that, mm. then they have less of struggle with it and they yes. enjoy it more because they have the awareness of it. So yeah. That is so useful. Thank yeah. you. I lived in an ashram year, I was 26. Mm. Mm. So, it's, so that's the exact opposite. Because I spent some years kind of moving away from the strong yoga background, beating myself up and, mm. and getting perceiving judgment from other people for moving away from it but it makes sense according to that and it also makes sense according to the south node north node and my astrology chart yeah so, mm. yeah thanks mm. yeah it's kind of like the precursor to the Saturn return it's like people talk about the Saturn return as being something really <gasps> but actually I really had a great Saturn return I think when I was 26 it was more intense and then by the time Saturn returned came around 29, I mean, there was an incredible breakup that was painful. Me too. Yeah. But it forced me out on my own, you know, my Saturn in Capricorn, to go and, you know, um, become independent, which was awesome. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Any, anything big happen at, like, your Uranus opposition? Oh, so I've been contemplating that as we're sitting here, and I'm going, hmm. I think I maybe I moved away from my soul tribe at that time, and kind of went off on many adventures independently after being very solidly in tribe for a number, you know, quite a long time. That is my soul tribe that makes me gives me the inspiration for doing what I do. I got very um, focused on my mission in the world. Mm. I, got very, I was really willing to push all the boundaries of 
what had limited me before, and I just, yeah, so I guess that's pretty uranium, isn't it? Yeah, I just went for it. I organized a lot of tours for Jose Aguirre's, the, the, um, throughout Australia and New Zealand, and yeah, I guess that's what happened. No. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Loved it. Yeah. You're having a bit of a travel yourself, Levi, during yours? Uh, yeah, I've uh, shifted my life dramatically this last year. Um, but that's, uh, that's more in relationship to about four years of Pluto cycles, which we won't get into this talk. Uh, but it is worth noting, uh, Uranus has an erratic um, cycle around the sun in the solar system, and it's not, not totally erratic, but it's, uh, it's not perfect, perfectly circular, and it's, it's, it was a bit earlier, like you get a, an opposition, uh, Uranus opposite your, your natal Uranus, earlier in life, for, for those of you that were like 60s, 70s years old now, um, whereas, um, you know, when, mm. if you're about that age now, like us, then it's going to happen a little bit later, like a couple more years yes, later. How would you say? And it's when you're 42, but for some it was when they were 41, so for me I'll be 44. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, I we've been saying in our school for a long time it's like thirty nine to forty one, you know, mm. but it's um, thirty eight to forty two. But yeah, it's same with me. It's going to be forty three, forty four. Yeah. yeah, it's not going to get much further than that, but um, we're kind of at the edge of that. But um, but that is worth noting. Yeah. And it moves so fast. Like I've got yeah. friends five months old or three months younger, and these are done and dusted, and I'm just, like still waiting for my Uranus. I mean, it's all, all in perfect time. But. The way the way that we see a Uranus cycle, because there's so many ways to track cycles, is it's, it can be either an 11-month cycle or a year and a half. Huh. All the rest of the cycles when we track, Saturn is always nine months, no matter what. It's human gestation, it's very clear, it governs time, it's simple. But um, Uranus can pass a point either three times or five times. And right. so it'll either be in you know eleven months, which is almost a year, or it'll be a whole year and a half of abrupt change, radical shifts, and moments that only happen once. Speaking of abrupt change ah. and radical shifts, I'm feeling my people calling me. It's been beautiful to connect. Thank oh, you so thank much you, for inviting us and Levi. So to nice to the share this place. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. What's your, what's your what's your you've got a website oh yeah people it's find um, time waves as one word time waves as in the ocean dot org time waves dot org yeah great and if you have any questions just drop me a note i'll be offline for the next month but um <laughs> who knows who knows our listeners what? are listening to this okay <laughs> all right well after um after the end of february i'll be back online so feel free great Yay! Bless. Awesome. Thank you so much. Happy Peace travels. Guys. Love you. Love, love you. you. See you. Love you. Yeah. See you soon. Awesome. Have the best journey ever. <laughs> you enjoy your Uranus return. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're still going here though. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love assuming we've uh, known each other for some years. Um, ever since we did a trade of our skills in uh, Bali, we knew each other from Bali. Oh, right.
Yeah, I get a whole tour of New Zealand here, uh, kind of festival hopping. Your first time here? No, I've actually been here a couple more times. Um, I was in the, uh, but I was only in the South Island, uh, exploring the nature. Actually, that, and that was so incredible for me because I got to witness um, so much of the night sky from the so, so South, yes. which I was very unused to. Mm. It's You may or may not know it's all upside down. In comparison to what we know up north. I wrote that into a song lyric when I was living in Canada. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> everything's the other way in Canada and here. And I got to go to the Night Sky Reserve down down here somewhere. And oh, Tikapo. Yeah, it's Tikapo. Exactly, mm. exactly. I was like, there's Night Sky Reserves? Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, this time I'm exploring more people and being at festivals and sharing more. So, um yeah, just been um, finishing up a a lot of recording for some online courses. I'll be uh, we'll be launching um, three online courses this year. Um, so just wrapping that up right now, and the first course will be uh, starting in a couple weeks, actually. And who's that through? Uh, Totems, uh, Tur Turning of the Ages Mystery School. It's Totems with an A. Turning of the Ages Mystery School, and um, yeah, we, that's the website, turningoftheages.com. I noticed an email from them in my email the cool. other day. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's, that's what Levi was talking about. Exactly. I was already on the mailing list, so yay. <laughs> yeah, it was previously known as Shamanic Astrology, and it's the whole paradigm that's woven into the app, the pattern, and it's a system created by my teacher, Daniel Giamario, um, who's been an astrologer for over 50 years, and um, it's kind of the third wave of his original vision to make all astrology land-based, like uh, experiential, uh, connected to the earth, uh, and uh, have the the stars and cosmology part of astrology again. Not just the planets. Not just the birth chart that's on a computer. Okay. Where you read the planets are there, but to actually see them in the sky and know what they're up to. Like each planet has a cycle that's very specific to it and unique to it, it to the planet itself and um and to experience it with our naked eye and so we've had a lot you know over the years he's had many experiences at sacred sites and, and pyramids and temples and you know the standing stones it's been a huge inspiration for this this body of work and i've been so inspired by that i've you know this last year i've been to the, the, all over Egypt. I was all over Mexico and the Mayan lands, like Masumi was just talking about. I was at Stonehenge in UK. I was at um, some sacred sites in the United States, and um, and uh, yeah, searching for something special here in New Zealand. So yeah, just getting ready to uh, launch a lot of that uh, knowledge, uh, and, that, and that that's what inspires our. Um, the way we read a birth chart. So getting ready to launch trainings on how to read a birth chart through our system. That sounds really exciting. Yeah, yeah it is. It's a long time coming because uh, all the all the uh, courses before were at special locations like out in the desert or um, at, a, at a sacred site. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. 
uh, on the land with people. Mm. And just remembering last week, driving. Mm. I'm like, what's that star? I'm like, oh, it's probably a planet. It's really bright. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm, okay, well, the sun's just set. Mm. The sun is currently in Capricorn. Mm-hmm. And so this must be something that is just behind Cap, just behind the sun. I'm like, I think it must be Mercury. And I've never seen Mercury. Yeah. Noticed it with the naked eye. I was like, yeah. hang on. We got told we can't see Mercury because it's close to the sun. I'm like, surely the sun's just set. Yeah. Should be able to see Mercury. So I Googled it. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, yep, yeah. And it was, it, it seemed to me to Wonderful. be slightly yellow. Like mm. Mars is slightly red. Mm. Yeah. It was um, really nice moment because I noticed That's Venus. Yeah. And, and I remember, you remember the, um, the, the Kermit the Frog song, the rainbow <laughs> connection? <laughs> and there's the line about when wished on the morning star. Oh. And I remember thinking when I was a kid, well, is that Venus? But then later I was like, hang on, Venus is the morning star, Venus the evening star. <laughs> a little bit like Mercury, I guess. <laughs> you know, yeah. So much of our uh, sacred music, like Kermit, or um, <laughs> our sacred texts, um, religious stories are, are a lot uh, actually about um, the cycles of the planet. We just projected God and goddess, or queen and king, or some kind of um, heroic figure onto it. And um, that's what I, you know, so we, we get to experience, re-experience that when we really learn the nature of the planet and the way it's moving and through the lore uh, and myths of the, of the stars. So yeah, we, I went to a lot of pyramids just to see how they were aligned astrologically. That, that's the thrill. It's like, what, is this exactly east? Oh, it is. This must be a, a sun temple. Oh, look, you know, it's. Oh, that or, must or, be so yeah, exciting. Is, I get yeah. that thrill. Yeah. Kind of nerdy and boring, and, and yes, very exciting. But it, gets, <laughs> but it gives you that kind of structure to your travels as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all the other stuff is really um, just an excuse to get to, to sacred lands. <laughs> yeah, 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 fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Yes. I know you asked last week in your astrology talk uh, about or it came up sacred sites mm. so someone was saying some in the north island and mm-hmm. i was there was some in the south island going through my head going i wonder wonder if you know of any in new zealand yeah no um i've yeah i've been um i'm yet to go to any yeah and that was what i was asking the crowd um yeah i, I would love to really connect with something you know whatever even if it's a piece of land to the maori um Lots of people here have been and actually posted in the Facebook group free festival recommending that we go to Castle Hill, uh-huh. which is about an hour from Christchurch, an Great. hour and a half from here. And what's there? I haven't been yet. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's something I hope to do on this trip, yeah. Castle Hill, I believe that's what my uh, barber <laughs> was telling me <laughs> as we got into a spiritual discussion, as I do, um, about, I think it was Castle Hill, that... Um, all the souls come and uh, go from. I think oh. is, is that the right one? No, that would be Cape Vinga. That's the, the you're right. The you're right. It's the top of the north, not the top yeah, of the south. No, okay, yeah. thank you. So that's uh, uh, where all souls in the world leave. You, you were saying, is that right? I, I guess so. I not even just New Zealand. Everybody goes. I haven't heard that, but it makes sense. Yeah. So Cape Vinga. Vinga. And you can go there Beautiful. and see the oceans meeting. Wow. So when I went to India and they're like, this is where the o- three oceans meet. I'm like, where's the crest of the waves? Like, it's Cape Vinga. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
start to say. Yeah. No, Castle Hill is the place where my brief, short, brief understanding is um, where the Waitaha people who were here before the modern day Māori came from the Pacific Islands. Uh-huh. It, it was one of their sacred sites where the elders used to mm. gather. Mm. And I've heard for years and years that it's a sacred place and this is the first time I've come on a road trip since I found that out more than 20 years ago mm. that I've got the opportunity to go. So, mm. Yeah, we shall see. Mm-hmm. We shall see. And there's a very sacred, like Aoraki Mount Cook is mm-hmm. the highest mountain. There's mm-hmm. a really uh, beautiful area. If you go to Mount Cook Alpine Village and you take the Hooker Valley track, and I used to do it with Japanese tourists on my university job, mm. um, so I always felt it was very special. And then it was where music started to come when I started writing music and everything. And when I went to the information centre, the Department of Conservation Doc Information Centre, I saw a brochure and it showed a map of the very sacred dog cloak, the Tupuni area or dog cloak area, where if anything was going to be done to that area, it needed to be in consultation with the Naitahu elders. And it, it, it happened just at that point where I was like, the second swing bridge, that's where it started. I knew that that was where the, the special feeling started and it was there on the map. Um, and there's a whole heap of people that do a pilgrimage, not to Mount Cook because you need climbing gear for that, mm-hmm. but there's one that you can see that you can access directly from Araki Mount Cook Alpine Village called Mount Wakefield and there's people that they feel that that's one of the seven sacred mountains of the world and they do a pilgrimage there each year but never managed to find out much more about it. Mm. I should Google it now that mm. there's Google. <laughs> 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 it was a while ago. But yeah. Still a, wow. Well, grateful to be here on this land. Um, yeah. My friend is telling me that there's this really there's these like masculine and feminine mountains right here oh. and there's uh, seven smaller ones around them and that that represented the Pleiades oh. yeah um, yeah yeah exactly and it's just right here where we are like right now like yeah they're all around us yeah and we're also in a volcano but you know no biggie oh that's best part of course got it <laughs> Such beautiful lands here. So your course is out in a few weeks, and that's from available from the Totem website. Yeah, turningoftheages.com. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so people can connect with you from there, or how do you? Yeah, they probably better just to find me through Instagram. Uh, Just Levi Banner. Levi dot Banner is my handle, and just uh, yeah, follow me. (laughs) Okay. Thanks so much for your time, Levi. It's oh, pleasure. Been a fascinating discussion. I hope yeah. the, the wind wasn't too much for the listeners. I'll right. Check that out. If they could only see where we are. If you could only see <laughs> and hear the cicadas. Hopefully. And the children playing in the yeah. river. And <laughs> Hopefully the, you feel that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Unraveling Midlife is brought to you from Aotearoa, New Zealand by www.sarahmarlowspence.com Theme music is by Sarah Marlow Spence and Saraspati Marie Willis and art by Samantha Hepburn. <laughs>